Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Uh, or you can run around the sanctuary if you want to. I don't know. It might be a little spooky, but it's okay. God is up to something. Uh, uh, the, hey, I'm not judging your alabaster moment. <laughs> what you desire to give to the Lord is up to you and what he wants to give, which, what he puts on your heart to give to him. And some may think that it may be foolish or it doesn't require all that, but it requires everything in me. Because he requires all of me, not just a little bit of me, all of me. Uh, so today, I hadn't been before you guys in a while. Um, I think like January, the first Sunday in January, and I appreciated the break. Uh, and it could have gone a little longer. I'm not upset about it. <laughs> um, because I, you know, I take uh, ministering the Word of God very serious. And I, I do, um, I never want to just give you anything. You know, just, throw, you know, oh, let's just preach anything. But I really seek the Lord for what He wants me to say to you. And I never wanted it to be me. I, you know, it's not about me or what I want or what I want to say. Uh, but it re- I really do seek the Lord in this moment. And so it does require some effort and time. Uh, and my wife said, this isn't sustainable, just working and, you know, preaching and staying up late all the time. So no, no problem, you guys. It is what the Lord requires uh, because I need to hear from him. Um, and um, and I want, want to hear from him so that I can give you the word of the Lord and not the word of Virgil. Uh, so I'm grateful for that and thankful for him speaking. Uh, lessons from the vine. So before we jump in, uh, John 15, 1 through 8, and this is where we're going to be coming from. Uh, you know, past few months have been um, different, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, definitely, you know, just kind of maneuvering without Pastor Taylor being here. It is, um, you know, to, to me personally, it's been a challenge uh, because it's easy to lean on the pastor. Uh, the expectation is, you know, I can go up here and say what I want to say. Pastor Taylor got to clean it up, not me, <laughs> because he is the pastor. <laughs> uh, not that I would do that, but, you know, in essence, you know, the Lord has given him that uh, job to oversee us and to take care of us. And so uh, with him not being here, it just became more of a challenge to me um, and open my eyes in a different weight and burden. I'm going to be vulnerable in this moment. <laughs> uh, and trying to be, uh, not that I was trying to be perfect, because I know I'm not perfect, but um, <laughs> carrying the weight of some of that sometimes can be difficult. Uh, working hard to attain all the goods and making sure that the body is taken care of. And I had more of a focus on that than I had prior because that wasn't my job. Um, and in, in, in essence, it was my job, though, because it's all of our job to take care of one another. And so it, made, it opened my eyes to say, you know what, uh, I should have been doing this the whole time. <laughs> because that is our job, to take care of one another, to check on one another, to call one another, to see how each other are doing, right? That's what we all should be doing all the time. And so it, 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 was a, it, was, it became new, uh, but then, it, then it, the Lord just said, it shouldn't be new. <laughs> you should have been doing this the whole time. 
uh, and then not being satisfied, you know, when you're, you're wanting to do certain things and you're in this, this transition stage and praying for all that the Lord would want to do for Cornerstone and wanting to make sure that in this transition that we're taking care of one another again, which we should be doing all the time, regardless of whether you're in transition or not. Uh, but then also making, you know, so that, that weight and that burden of let's make sure we're doing what we can for everyone because I don't want to lose anyone. Uh, and it reminded me of that message about the marbles and the grapes <laughs> and how it's easy when you're a marble to just kind of roll away from the group of marbles. But when you're great and you're connected, it's harder to just move away. And me and my wife, and I'm going to open me and my wife joke. Sometimes there's a church down the street from us that said, we could just go to the apostolic church and uh, sit in the back pew and not do anything. <laughs> That's a joke. We're not going to go to the apostolic church and not do anything. <laughs> but sometimes, and I, I'm not the only one. I know y'all guys think it as well because you pass several churches on your way here. And you say, I could just go there and sit in the back pew and no one would know my name. And I, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to participate. And I can leave out before they, they greet me. And that would be the end of it. I know I'm not the only one. <laughs> I might be the only one that would voice it from the pulpit, but I'm not the only one that feels it. Um, because this is work. It's not easy work, but it's work nonetheless. And it's work that he's called us to do. Uh, to love one another, to take care of one another, and to make disciples. And sometimes that work can be seemingly hard uh, when we do it in our flesh. <laughs> That's what makes it difficult because we're doing it and we're mustering up all we can do. And then we wear out at Friday and Saturday nights. So I'm so tired. And then I got to go to church on Sunday and do it all over again. <laughs> um, and and we did our 21 days of fast and it was great. And the whole time I was so I was somewhat annoyed. The whole time the Lord just kept saying, die to self. It's like, this all I'm getting. <laughs> die to self is this it <laughs> die to self every day every little inkling every moment was die to self oh, come on, give me something encouraging and enlightening uplifting you know that revelatory that will you know move people and change die to self huh. yeah I know right <laughs> it's the corporate sigh ah Die to self. Uh, and is and to then my wife would come up with these uh, great little messages and encouragements like, oh, why is the Lord speaking to you like that? And he's just saying, die <laughs> to me. <laughs> I want some of that, what, what he's saying to you. Uh, and he continued, even after the 21 days, to die to self. <laughs> and I had a moment that I didn't die to self. I was, uh, again, I'm... I'm just being real with you guys, okay? So I was at work, <laughs> and I interfaced with truck drivers. I work in the shipping department. I interface with truck drivers a lot. And uh, no, Cammy, I'm not talking about Eric, but uh, <laughs> truck drivers are not the, let's see, the sharpest tool in the, uh, the tool test, I would say that. And so sometimes they do things that are annoying. They think they drive these, eight, these big rig trucks that they can do whatever. They can park wherever. They can block the road. They just have no consciousness for what goes on around them and so uh in this moment a couple weeks ago because i was not feeling well i was sick last weekend i wasn't here because i was under weather you may still hear that a little bit in my chest uh but i um, in that 
upset with a truck driver for doing something that he shouldn't have been doing. I jumped out of my dock. Now, I'm too old to be jumping out of docks, first of all. <laughs> but I jumped down, and then it propelled me. Uh, because I jumped down, I j- fell in my anger and frustration with this truck driver, and I skinned my knee, and I scratched my finger up. and Yeah. And in that moment, the Lord said, die to self. (laughs) This is the message. (laughs) You're not getting it, (laughs) but you need to die to self. Because that was just a self moment. It was in my flesh, in my anger, doing something that I shouldn't have been doing. Um, And I paid the price. I have a a scar on my knee. I came home later. It's a story. I'm taking up so much time. Uh, so I came home and told my wife I got in a fight with a truck driver because <laughs> I had blood on my finger. And, my knee. <laughs> and she, was, uh, she was like, she put a phone, like, what? <laughs> what are you doing? It's like, no, 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 I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. Uh, but I thought it was a more interesting story than just uh, <laughs> me. <laughs> it made for a more interesting story uh, than just uh, me being old and jumping out the dock and not being able to maintain my balance and falling. Nevertheless, Lessons from the vine. Uh, so lessons for me in my 21-day fast was dying to self. Um, and then he moved me to what a message, uh, the word that my wife was getting sometimes throughout that 21-day fast was abide. And I wasn't getting that. Maybe I should have been listening better. <laughs> uh, but within the last few weeks, he just kept saying, uh, in me dying to self, uh, I need to abide in him. And that's where we are now in John 15, 1 through 8, uh, lessons from the vine. Uh, 1 through 8 reads, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. How many of you feel pruned? (laughs) And you're only feeling pruned. So that you can bear more fruit. You're already clean because, you, because of the word which I have spoken to you. So Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And this is right after uh, the Last Supper. He had washed the disciples' feet. And he is getting ready to leave. He's getting ready to be crucified. And he knows this. And these are his last words. And I think uh, 14 and 15 and 16 and 17 are really important. Because this is what Jesus is saying right before he's getting ready to die. Leave us. And it's so important that we look at that, like, you know, this is like what you want to tell your kids before you know you're going to be gone. You know, so this is like, hey, I need for you to get this if you don't get anything else. You know, so these are important messages or important scriptures leading up to the crucifixion. Uh, It may bear more fruit. You already you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. That's good word. I can, I, that's, that's all good word. Um, <laughs> verse 5, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out. As a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my word abides in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. 
By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Amen. So, abide. They have been justified in the, uh, just finished the Last Supper and Jesus has washed their feet and it's a sign of act of service and humility to his disciples and he's sharing his departing words. And abide means that I remain, I abide, I stay, I wait, I wait for and I await. So I wait for him and I am awaiting him. I stay where I am. I remain in his presence. And Pastor Ryan, in the video message we listened to a while ago, he talked about how Moses would go to the tent of meetings and how he would go and meet with Jesus, meet with God, and then return back to the people. And that how Joshua, when he went with him, he remained. He stayed because he wanted to be in the presence of God. And so many times we're okay with letting our leaders go to God, but we don't want to go because the people of Israel didn't want to go. <laughs> they were afraid, and sometimes we are afraid. We're afraid of what the Lord may say. We're afraid of what may happen. We're afraid of our own sin, how it may interfere with us meeting with him, and at that time they should have been, <laughs> uh, but now we don't have that barrier, and we're still comfortable with allowing other people to meet with God, and we just hear from them. And it becomes a thing of, I'm fine with you meeting with God, and you come back and you share a word. And I'll get in on Sunday, and then I'll do what I need to do throughout the week. And I'll come back because I know I need to hear from God again. All the while, <laughs> the Lord is just saying, abide. I'm, I'm not present for a reason. I'm everywhere all the time. I don't, you don't need to have a... Sunday experience on Sundays only. It could be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You can experience him all the time. We need, we need to remain in his presence. Abide in his presence. Uh, uh, the prophetic uh, abide, me, I mean the phonetic, I'm sorry. The Greek word abide is meno, M-E-N-O means not to depart, not to leave, to continue to be in present. And an example someone I heard a preacher gave was uh, there are two, tea, two types of tea drinkers. And there may be more. I think there are two. Um, so there's a tea drinker that has the tea bag, and they dip back and forth. They go back and forth, you know. And they're going to dunk it in and out. And that requires a lot of work sometimes. And sometimes you have to get a spoon and stir it around because you want the tea to get in the water. And sometimes we're dunkers because we're impatient, so we want to kind of make things happen fast. We want this tea to get in this hot water, so we want to do it faster. But then there's the tea drinker that leaves the tea bag in and let it sit. And it abides. <laughs> and they know that whatever's happened is going to happen because that hot water and tea works together, and that tea permeates that water, and that water goes into that tea bag, and it becomes one, and it gets mixed in. Regardless of whether you do anything else, doesn't require any effort from you, all you need to do is put the tea bag in. And so many of us are uh, wanting to do things to make it look like we're making fruit, <laughs> or that we're, we're busy doing the work, and we're, all we're doing is uh, making more work for ourselves. <laughs> 
when you're dunking the tea bag in and out versus just letting it sit. Uh, th- four things about fruit. Fruit bears the character of the tree from which it is a part of. Fruit bears the character of the tree for which it is a part of. So you're not going to see apples on an orange tree, right? Because that's not what it's a part of, or, you, or vice versa. Or You're not going to see uh, peaches on a grapevine. If you do, let me know. <laughs> let me know what you've been smoking. Um, <laughs> and we're going to pray for you. Uh, but you're not going to see that because it, it's going to bear the fruit for which is it a part of. Same with us. If we are abiding in him, we are going to bear his fruit. If we are abiding in him, right, we're going to bear his fruit. Not our, it's not, not anything, we, we don't have to muster up anything. The, the fruit tree is not working overtime to bear fruit. It's just chilling where it is. The vine dresser is doing what it needs to do. He's planting, he's pruning, he's doing all that work. All you got to do is sit there and let nature take its course, basically. Fruit is always visible. Fruit is always visible. Have you seen invisible fruit? <laughs> Let me know again so we can pray for you and bind that enemy. That no. <laughs> Have you seen invisible fruit? Because what we would say is, well, I'm, I have fruit, but you may not see it. Then you don't got fruit. <laughs> there is no invisible fruit. Fruit is visible. Uh, fruit is seasonal. I looked up some, some things about fruit. Um, and there are fruits that grow all throughout the seasons. And, and, and they said apple is a year-round fruit. Well, certain types of apples can be grown in the winter, but there is no apple that grows year-round. You know, there's a certain type of apple that you can grow in the winter and some in the summer and fall or whatever. Uh, but there is, no, there is no fruit that can be grown year-round, especially in Virginia. <laughs> especially in this weather. <laughs> well, it can be 70 degrees on Thursday and 40 degrees today. Um, but, yeah, fruit is seasonal. And unlike fruit, unlike we should not, this is, this is where we should be different from fruit, uh, God does not want us to be seasonal. <laughs> Unfortunately, we are. But God does not want us to be seasonal. He wants us to abide in him, to remain in him. But so many times we're seasonal. We're, we're good at coming once a week, once a month, you know, quarterly, whatever it is. We, we get our religion on and then we go about doing our own thing. And we're seasonal saints. And we may bear some fruit seasonally, and then we don't hear for you for another six or eight months, and then you may bear some fruit. <laughs> it's funny, but it's not funny. <laughs> seasonal saints, just like seasonal fruit. Fruit always exists for the benefit of someone else. The fruit is never for itself. And if a fruit is for itself, only rotten fruit eats itself. Only rotten fruit will eat itself. So my fruit is not for me. It's for the benefit of others. And if it is for me, then it's rotten. And let's be honest, we're rotten sometimes. Let's be honest. Yeah, we're rotten. 
Yeah, <laughs> I am rotten sometimes. When I jump out that dock, I'm rotten. <laughs> because I made the fruit about me, about what I want in my flesh, and all other things that we make it about. Uh, and so many times we look at other people's fruit. Now, you know, especially younger people, they say uh, there's a there's a whole cycle of depression tied to social media, especially among young people. Now, older people, we're not uh, as, as tied. To, most of us are not as tied to social media as younger people. But because they see the pictures of other people's lives, and they don't realize that those people are presenting them best selves <laughs> in those pictures. They, they look like they go on vacation every week, and they went on vacation once a month. And you just see the pictures back to back, but you don't realize they've been years from that. And that looks so appealing. And you look at your life, and it's like, oh, my life is not measuring up to what these people are posting. And so now I'm depressed. And even if not social media, we do that ourselves. We're envious of other people and what they're doing, and we look like that. Their fruit, their fruit looks better than my fruit. Now, does the apple tree look at the orange and say, oh, I want to be the orange. I'm not happy with being the apple. Not realizing the versatility of the apple. <laughs> not realizing that you're just going to be juiced on someone's table. Both of you are. <laughs> I prefer apple juice personally, but um, but yeah, but that's how we are. We'll look at someone else's fruit and say, "Oh, that looks better." Oh, that I want to be that fruit. The strawberry looking at the kiwi, saying, "I want to be the kiwi." No, they both they have different purposes. They serve different needs. They grow at different times at different rates. But we're looking at other people's fruit. The fruit are we, <laughs> we, we, the branches are looking at the fruit, <laughs> saying we want to be something else. When the vine dresser, God is in control of it all. So what, what are we saying in that moment? What are we saying? We're saying we don't trust the vine dresser, right? In that moment, we're saying I don't trust my growth <laughs> as the branch now. <laughs> I don't trust what's going on. Uh, as the clay, and the potter knows what he wants to make, and we don't trust what he's doing. And he has a vision for us, and he knows what he wants us to do, but we don't trust it. Hmm. Die to self, right? It does, it's making sense now. Uh, but abide in him. Um. The true vine. So Jesus says, I am the true vine. There are a couple of I am's within John that are important. I am the truth in the way. Um, but I am the true vine. And if he's the true vine, then that made me question, is there a false vine? Because if there's a true vine, there may be some false vines out there that we may attach ourselves to. You know, does it, you know... Is this thing going to bear any fruit? <laughs> is this plant ever going to bear any fruit? And in a, in a branch in and of itself, 
is not going to bear fruit. If we cut that branch off and say, all right, no matter how much you desire, that branch desires, it's not going to bear any fruit by itself. You cut that branch off. I'm sorry, it's dead at that point. It's cut off. And there are ways that you can engraft it back in, and I'm not a horticulturist, and I don't know how to do all that. That's for the vine dresser <laughs> to do. But, uh, but yeah, I can't muster up any energy, any, I can't think hard enough to bear any fruit of my own. Um, but there are false vines. Luke 6, 43 says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. There's good trees and there are bad trees. And Romans 7, 5 says, For when we were controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our bodies so that we bore fruit for death. Fruit that was rotten. <laughs> fruit that was dying. He says um, in John 15, 1, talks about pruning. So the second verse says, uh, every branch in me that he does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. So you got to be bearing fruit. And I stole this from my wife. My wife was like, why are you doing my shears? Don't worry about it. I'll bring them back. <laughs> she has all these plants around the house. She would grow our own little stuff. Our, I used to have a deck that I can sit on. Um, I don't anymore. It's been taken over by all the plants and things that I do enjoy eating, some greens and stuff like that, strawberries. Um, but there's a seat, there's a time to prune it. So, when, you know, uh, pruning means to make clean by purging, removing undesirable elements. Um, so, yeah, so we're pruning, uh, eliminating what it was fruitless by purifying. So, Pruning is you're eliminating something. This is the fruit that bore, this is the branch that bore fruit. And there may be some parts that may not be bearing fruit. And so you eliminate that so that it can bear fruit, right? Uh, and that it may bear more fruit, more in quantity or in quality. And the good thing, and interesting about this, I was thinking about this, because sometimes I talk, get on my wife, and she I be running my mouth. She says it all the time. She running my mouth all the time. Um, <laughs> I get on her about all the plants and things of that nature, and then I'll go and critique what she has going on, and I'll say, "This looks like just not growing right, or this is dying over here." And, and so, when, in preparing for this, it, it made me realize that only the vine dresser knows when to prune. I can't come in as an outsider and be like, "Hey." This looks dead. I'm going to just start cutting and shearing things around, shearing things up and cutting up and saying I'm pruning because I don't know the growth of that plant, of what he's trying to grow. And so many times we may look at other people and say, Lord, I think you need to be pruned. <laughs> I got some shears here. <laughs> That's not my job. <laughs> That's not for me to say or do. Right? That is the job of the vine dresser, God himself. Jesus is the vine. God is the vine dresser. We're the branches, and all we got to do is abide. He will do the work. And it is not even my job to go around trying to get my shears around and say, 
I see some stuff you need to cut out of your life, you know. It's not my job. <laughs> and I hope you tell somebody, hey, that's not your job. <laughs> God is working on me. And it's important because um, we may do more damage not knowing what, what God is trying to grow, what he's trying to do in someone's life. When we go in and say, hey, you need to cut that out. You don't know what God is doing and how close he is to pruning. Sometimes, I, I guess, in the growth cycle, and this is, I, I, I don't grow anything. My wife does all the growing. Uh, but you may see some things dying. You can say, I'm just going to let it drop off naturally. I don't have to cut that off, right? But I could come in and be like, hey, I'm going to go cut this off. And I may, I may cause more damage on what may be healthy behind it than what is dying that comes off of it. I know I'm preaching to y'all. It's okay. <laughs> Let the vine dresser, the worker of the soil, the husbandman, the farmer, the farm laborer, he knows when and where to prune us. And as fellow fruit, fellow branches, not even fruit, fellow branches in this walk, it is my job to encourage you. Uh, not saying that I can't say, hey, we, we need to work on some things <laughs> uh, and to do community with you, but it's not my job to prune you. I'm going to let God do that. Branch cannot f- bear fruit of itself, no matter how hard it tries. Proverbs 18.1 says, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. <laughs> So he isolates himself. So no branch can, so, hey, and some of us do that sometimes. Oh, I got it. I'm, I'm you know, this uh, America, American imperialism or, you know, this independent streak we have in us that we can do all things. We can. Not God. We can do all things in our own strength because we're independent and, you know, I lean on my, I pull myself up by my bootstraps, even though you don't have boots and don't know what a strap looks like, but <laughs> but that's what we say. <laughs> so independent. Are we supposed to do it ourselves? And that's what we kind of tell ourselves anyway. When this walk is about being connected, it's like those grapes are connected by the vine. We are connected. And the branches, we are connected. And we are to abide in him. And that is all we have to do. Is a bod. John 15. So I'm, I'm going to finish up. Uh, John 15 and, and go not nine through I think it's uh, 16. Uh, it's the same chapter, but later on. And, and that whole and I'm, I'll be honest, that whole book, the whole chapter is good. Even 16 is good too. 14. Just read it all, y'all. Just read the whole book. Uh, it's real good, good stuff. Uh, but it's John 15, uh, chapter 1, 9, verse 9. It says, as the, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you. And that your joy may be full. So if you're lacking joy, maybe this is why you're not abiding. This is my commandment, 
that you love one another as I have loved you. And so, again, this is important because this is, this is what God, Jesus is telling his, his disciples towards the end. He's going to leave. And this, these are the things that he's coming up, these are the things that he's teaching or wanting to tell us that's important, that you love one another. And we can't, I can't say that enough, that you love one another. Love one another. And you may say, how do we do that? By abiding in him, that we take care of one another, that we look out for one another, that we encourage one another, that we check on one another. That we have care for one another. So it's not about being in a position, like I said earlier, but it's the job of all of us. And so many times we look for, oh, it's his job to take care of us. (laughs) Or it's the leader's job to, to call. But no, love one another. He didn't say pastors love your, he didn't, but that's not what he's saying here. Pastors love the people and the people just do whatever they want. No, love one another. Or leaders, he didn't say elders love the people and the people do what whatever. <laughs> love themselves. No, that's not what he said. Love one another. Great greater love has no man than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for servants uh, does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me. This is important. <laughs> we didn't choose him. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain. Let me go back. I'm and whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you, again, <laughs> he wants you to get this, love one another. And so, it's important, so we can make this about, uh, you know, you hear some Theologians say, well, this, the fruit that you're bearing is the fruit of the Spirit, and uh, there are different things that the fruit may mean in your life. But he's talking to his disciples. He's telling them that they're going to bear fruit, and, and fruit may mean, may mean various things. But in this, I think it means um, that he wants them to bear more fruit, and that fruit that will remain is making disciples. Uh, that you should be rich in good works, faithful and successful in spreading my gospel. This is the great business in which they were set apart, <laughs> that they faithfully accomplished. It may be added that the great end for which Christians are chosen, we are chosen to make disciples, to spread the gospel. That is the fruit. That is the fruit that will remain after we leave here. His word will remain. His children will remain. Making disciples is what's going to remain. And we can make that fruit about other things, which is fine. I, I go with you on that. But more importantly, he, 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 he's called you to make 
disciples. That's why he chose you to make disciples. And so when I saw that, I said, gosh, I have no fruit (laughs) because I'm not making any disciples. And so we need to make, take an honest assessment of where we are and what we're making, what we're calling fruit. And I'll go with you. You can call fruit some other things. And I think there's some fruit of the Spirit. There's love, joy, and peace, and, and self-control. There's all great things, and, and, and we need that, and great. We can make it about that. But what will remain, and what he was telling his disciples, is to make disciples. That in effect, that the laborers of this work would be permanent. That it wouldn't die with me. <laughs> Acts 5, 38, 39, it talks about, and I can't think of the guy's name, uh, but, um, and it starts actually in like 20 something. Um, let's, let's turn there because it's a good story. Acts chapter 5. And I'm going to be out of your way. I'm, I'm going along, I know. But it's good. It's good to me anyway. I don't know about anybody else. I'll, <laughs> I'll enjoy it later on and be like, oh, well, I went long. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, it's uh, Gamaliel. Uh, Gamaliel. I don't know how to pronounce that. G-A-M-A-L-I-E-L. Yeah. <laughs> His advice. Uh, and it starts in 33. All right. So he says, when they had heard this, and this is talking about Paul, they had heard these things that Paul had done. And Paul was in jail and they had gotten out of jail. And so when they had heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. I'm talking about Paul. Uh, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was respected by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered the men to be taken outside for a little while. He said to them, men of Israel. So he's taking Paul and I don't know if it was Silas or somebody else, but Paul taking Paul out, Peter and Paul maybe, uh, taking the apostles out. He says to them, uh, he said to them, men of Israel, be careful about what you're going to do with these men. Not long ago, Thaddeus rose up claiming to be somebody. <laughs> and a group of men, 400, rallied to him. And he was killed and all his uh, partisans were dispensed and came, came to nothing. After this man, Judas the Galilean, rose up in the days of the census and attacked, and attracted a following. He's attracted the following. That man also perished, and all his partisans were scattered. And now I tell you, stay away with these men and leave them alone. For if, the, if this plan or this work is of them... It will be overthrown. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow it, overthrow them. You may even be found fighting against God. So they were persuaded by him after they called in the apostles and had flogged them. They still beat them. They ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and release them. Then they went out from the presence of the Sanhedrin rejoicing. After the beating, they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to be dishonored on behalf of the name of Jesus. Every day in the temple complex and in various homes, they continued teaching and proclaiming the good news that the Messiah, the good news, the Messiah is Jesus. That's good stuff, y'all. 
if it's going to be anything, <laughs> he, he gave some good advice. And this is what remains. Again, this is uh, us making disciples. And I think I preached that Sunday. I think I, I'm sure I did. <laughs> um, but we're going to continue this, but um, in, this, in this vein of making disciples and what that means as we remain. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.